Uh, I've had friends bring back vodka from Poland. Poland that's, is worth visiting. <laughs> that's the issue. You like vodka a lot more than I do. Like it's if I was in mm-hmm. Russia, I would give into my heritage and drink the vodka there. But it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, do you want vodka? N- no, I never actually want vodka ever. I never want vodka straight. Um, but their vodkas like actually taste like a thing, as opposed to just being burning potato water like we get. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I... There's kind of a bifurcation between rum and vodka, and you were very much on the rum side of the fence. Yeah, no, that's that's the issue. I'm very much of the alcohol camp where it's like, if you can't drink it straight, it's not actually worth drinking. Well, I mean, you also drink pirate piss. I also drink pirate piss, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you're drinking Troy, so I'm guessing is beer, right? Beer or rum, yeah, it's it yeah. varies. Like it, if I'm drinking a hard alcohol, it's generally rum followed by whiskey, depending on what they have. Like that's the issue too. I'm sick. When it comes to vodka, I'm not picky enough to have opinions. But at the same time, mm-hmm. as a result, I'm like, I don't ever want any of this. The other thing is, I think as well, is that the vodkas that are available to us in the United States. Because when I say Polish vodka, it's not made out of potatoes anymore. Yeah. They're making it out of more things. Yeah. Paying for an expensive vodka in the United States has no justification because they all taste awful. Yeah, it's really expensive normally, too. Yes, and it can get stupid expensive. No, and that's um, the thing. Like, when it comes to rum, because it's the, the dark rum, the stuff I like, the piratey stuff of rum, like, yeah. it's this weird garbage angle where you have some amazing rum makers where it's like, how much for your bottle? $12. Why? We can't sell black rum at a vodka fancy price. So yep. it's really high quality alcohol for dirt cheap. Yes. Why yep, don't people drink? Rum. Why don't people drink more of this? I don't know. Say some people don't like the vanilla flavor mixed into whatever they're drinking. That's the thing. Like it's the the vanilla flavor I get, and that's why I don't drink the vanilla. Like you you go with the dark mm. spice stuff where it's like it's just a hint of vanilla. There's a lot more stuff going on. It's like the, the darker it gets, the better it is because it's like what, what what's it? What are you tasting? Time. Well, you also have to bear in mind the popularity of dark rums is a new thing. Yeah, like, Kraken really. I was reading an article on this on how you get this weird moment of like the tail wagging the dog. Where so basically the rum industry looked at the whiskey industry and said, "How can we steal their money?" Yeah, and uh, dark rums were born because they started distilling uh, dark rum and putting it in oak caskets and started doing basically whiskey brewing with rum. So whiskey went, hey, neat trick. And they started making these spiced whiskeys. The difference being is that doing the whiskey process of using an oak barrel on whiskey or on rum works great. The process of taking rum spices and putting them in whiskey doesn't work so great. It goes back farther than that, like, I, unless you're talking, like, 1700s whiskey industry and rum fighting, because the stuff I nah, drink... this is, t- like, the 1990s between, like, yeah. Kraken and, um, it's Kraken versus, like, Wild Turkey's, like, spiced one is where you get the first, like, popularity of it. Because, yes, they did have dark rum in the 1600s, but that's not what we're talking about. That's the Kraken stuff I is drink. Not, Kraken, Kraken is, is not, so bad. Kraken is not a new... They probably came out in, like... I don't know. I can remember a time before Kraken. I want to say early thousands. Like I don't think they yeah. were even in the 90s. I remember when they showed up, and I'm like, how bad can this be? And I'm like, this is not dark rum. What the fuck? 
Yeah. Uh, but I, it, it's because of that that, like, if people don't like having the vanilla rums, like, it was in, or Kraken was introduced in 2010. That sounds about right. So, like, there, there was a long time and place where, like, either you got vanilla rum or you just didn't get anything. But there's other rums out there, like, Pussers has been around for a long time, as has Whalers, and both are fantastic. And but both... that doesn't guarantee their popularity, though. Yeah, like, no. You can't they're... find that, it, or, uh... It's kind of one of those, like, without the popular one, it can't drive the, like, less popular ones. Like, Kraken being a success makes more success for companies like Whalers and the ones you mentioned. Yeah. Um, like, the same goes in, like, whiskey. Like, the popularity of Jameson has driven Buffalo Trace and, like... That's true. Larceny and some of the one, the other ones that I like. Nah, my issue is just that... <coughs> what's it, um... Fucking Kraken is so bad. It, it is... <laughs> it, that is on the list of like Charlie's worst alcohols ever, and it's like it's probably mm-hmm. the best of my worst alcohols ever. But it's mm-hmm. definitely still on the list where it's like it is. It is it the most drinkable anything on this list? Absolutely. Should yep. you ever drink Kraken? No, Kraken is basically rum vodka. Like it's got a weird texture to it. The flavor balance is all wrong. I'm pretty sure it's actually just silver rum. They dye black because they're goddamn monsters. Like. <laughs> Because oak barrels are expensive. <laughs> I, yeah, and like, I got nothing against good silver rum, and for those not clear, silver rum is the clear rum that gets people in trouble all the time. So like if you're drinking a mixed drink <laughs> involving rum, it's probably silver rum, and that shit will sneak up on you because it's got a very oh, yeah. subtle flavor palette. But when you, when you start realizing that, maybe you like pineapple juice a little too much. <laughs> Oh no, Malibu rum and pineapple, despite being a, quote, girly drink, is fucking amazing on a hot day. Oh, I'll tell you right now, the, one of the best alcoholic beverages I've ever had was Malibu rum and a mango, a mango 7-Eleven slushy. That doesn't sound bad. If oh, you like it was mango, good. <laughs> yeah. You could like mango, which I don't, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Uh, Ma- Malibu's the ultimate mixing rum, not too expensive, but not so shitty, it's completely terrible. Exactly. Unlike fucking Bacardi, it's only good to burn things. <laughs> oh, and it burns real good. If you're not using Bacardi to burn down a house, you shouldn't be drink. You shouldn't be using it. Yep. Yeah, alcohols that come with that little flame guard on the top, usually that's a warning. I... Alcohols that have to insist they have a history when they don't shouldn't also be dranky like Bacardi we were there the Cuban revolution I don't think you were Bacardi I think you're a <laughs> subsidiary of a larger alcohol company and they're using a like bat name yep oh yeah no well actually one of the funny things is actually um so one of the companies that I interviewed at uh? was a company called uh Coors As in the and beer? That was a company that was working in ceramics. Okay. And back in the 19, whenever the prohibition was. Sure. This was the part of Coors that kept Coors alive because it was their non-alcohol division. The prohibition ended. The two companies continued to grow until this one split off in like the 80s or something. But it was originally founded by like the Coors Brewing Company. And it was just like... Hey, we make beer. We're also just kind of a chemical com- company on the side. Why? Because we deal with chemicals and no, have large no, vats. No, is still just a chemical company. 
They just happen to make artificial beer that passes yes. for beer to some people. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to a more normal than last week's episode of the Wicked Awesome Quest. Wow, I screwed that up, but oh well, we're back. It's just me and Jeff this time. Uh, normal podcasting format, normal upload day, normal all that stuff. Uh, yeah, Jeff's here and shit. Introduce yourself as always, Jeff. I am Jeff. I am Unvader Gur. You may have seen me in some of the YouTube videos in Something Wicked Studios. You also may not. <laughs> He's so goddamn pale. He is. Less than uh, last time. Yeah. Watching myself in that video, I was like, I now said he was talking about, I'm freaking red. Yeah. Like, through the camera. But yeah, welcome to episode 19. Yes, a podcast did come up between episode 19 and 19, but that was our post-E3 extravaganza, whatever you want to call that, our E3 wrap-up thing. YouTube video was involved. YouTube video tie-in, SWS event. Blah, 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 blah. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It's a long one. We talk about E3. I was there. People ask questions and shit like that. But mm. as a result, we didn't have a lot of time for normal podcasting stuff. So, Also, if you want to hear a person's voice on the podcast that isn't the two that you're hearing now. <laughs> That's true. That is, that is a the only? No, not the only. First one was Deadly Joe. Yeah. Second one would be Alex. If you want to hear an, another SWS person's voice on a podcast, yes. that's the one you got to go listen to. But yeah, you can check it out over on YouTube or where all the other podcasts are. If you're listening to this, you probably got the last one anyway. But yeah, <laughs> Jeff, what have you been up to? <laughs> so my life, this is going to be like, it's so weird because my weekend included recording a podcast. Yeah, but um, we didn't talk about anything except video games then, so we technically yeah. have two weeks to pull from. Yes, which is going to be important because my last week was a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um. So my last week I went to, or I have a friend who's trying to get into music promotion, and she's trying to get into like... Being the person who, like, rents the room and hires the acts and stuff and put on, like, a Battle of the Bands type thing, and she's asked me to help, like, orchestrate this thing, so I wound up going on, like, uh, I wound up going to a club and, like, meeting the owner and then getting, like, a private tour of the building and stuff and seeing all the rooms and whatnot, which was really cool and not something I anticipated I'd be doing in this one teeny little life of mine. And then, um... The next day, I went to a uh, house party that I was supposed to play guitar at, and you're going to enjoy this, because this is my second time ever getting to play live for quote-unquote people. Yeah, people. And unfortunately, absolutely like no one showed up to the party. And, uh, me and my friend worked really hard preparing this like set list of like songs that my friend could DJ and I could play guitar alongside. And like right as we started, like every single person went upstairs. And started playing Cards Against Humanity, and I literally, we played to it, a basement that only contained his girlfriend sitting at a table playing on her phone. <laughs> I could make a joke on how that's the audience you deserve, but that sucks. Like that's, <laughs> that's also the music industry to a certain extent. It's why SWS is a video game company, officially. Oh no, like, it's, it's like the pay your dues moment, like... You, I don't expect to exactly be playing, like, great big shows. I think it's the thing of, like, you need to play another hundred shows like that one before you can even start to dream about being on a thing like that. And it's kind of like that kind of, like, blue-collar production work ethic that I think is actually, you know, 
a little bit of self-pat on the back. I think it's been working really well for SWS in that, like, we've been putting up videos, mostly you, so I guess here's the golf clap for Charlie, of putting together this channel for, what, you said three years a minute ago? We're in our third year officially, yeah. Yeah, and to my knowledge, I mean, hopefully in 100 episodes, someone goes back, listens to this, and be like, man, they were so small back then, but, (laughs) like, you know... Oh, that, that podcast podcast into an empty room as far as I'm aware. Uh no, we got we have we, we have listeners. The web at least the website tells me we have listeners. No one's ever written in, but maybe that'll change someday. But yeah, yep. it's it, it's definitely a labor of love at the end of the day and not a labor yeah. of let's get rich immediately. If that's what the case, yeah. I'd be selling drugs like everyone in LA. <laughs> <laughs> let's say it's a, if that's the case, it's really not panning out for us. I have on two occasions joked that SWS should become the um, system with which I filter my drug trade activities through. <laughs> this can be your, uh, your laundering scheme. Yeah, it's like who would? It's like YouTube company made four thousand dollars one weekend and nothing the rest of the year. Nothing suspicious there. YouTube company. <laughs> yeah, you might have just actually cracked a bit of a case on. There's. Well, way to reveal. I think you just revealed probably something going on somewhere at this exact moment. I... Where someone's probably got a whole bunch of zombie computers and just like, look, we made an extra four thousand dollars in dirty money. Oh. It came through YouTube or something. Well, actually, I'm sure YouTube has W-2s or something. No, it's, like... it, they just send you a check. It's kind of um, self-employment at that point. So if, if you want to set up your sketch, it's pretty sketch. Yeah. I remember listening to some Twitch streamers. They were saying that they're technically listed to the IRS as uh, contract laborers. Yeah. Uh, so. If you have – it varies kind of thing. Like the reality is you're a contract, but that makes you freelance technically at that point. Yeah. You're not W-2. There's no taxes, no health insurance, none of that fun stuff. The high-end um, guys get Contract labor is taxable. No, no. You, I, you don't I've get, done it before. It doesn't get pulled out of your paycheck. You have to pay it afterwards. Oh, yeah, right. You can't uh, You can't claim zero. You have to claim full. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that it's a thing. Um. So I'm trying to think. Did anything else happen my week? Um, I opened up Stardew Valley to see what the what the rage was about. It's a pretty good game, isn't it? I've gotten nowhere, accomplished nothing, and I'm like, I don't know how I. So I wanted that to be a good in between cues game, and no, it's a full not. screen game. And I'm like, no. It's got a windowed mode, I think. It might the the pause menu is really crappy. Yeah. Um. But we'll see if there's an update on that. Right now, I'm currently running Chernobyl Farms. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. That's what, I, what I chose to name my place, uh, which is also where Costco gets their chickens, if you've ever had a rotisserie chicken from Costco. <laughs> um, yeah, that radiation cooks them good. Yeah, nothing says radiation hates GMO like a two-and-a-half-pound broiler chicken dressed <laughs> well did you side with the um corporate company or did you side with the independent company uh, i i i'm on day one fair yeah no I'm literally I'm... like i've got uh i recently realized that i have things other than an axe and even though they gave me the axe first it is the least good at cutting down things that aren't trees yeah um so right now i'm in the like clear the brush um like really or just introducing the like there are people in town they have opinions of you this person wants you to wants you to buy things i'm the mayor i break in occasionally like (laughs) 
I may have an inappropriate relationship with one of the girls in town. Hmm. I found my first cave. It was depressingly empty. Yep. Um, I was really sad about that, but uh, that was that was Gur's Adventures in a Stardew Valley. No, I, 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 I'm a big fan of that game, and I will probably go back and play a lot more of it this summer. That game's start... I, I, I want to say the first ten days of that game are a little slow. Mm-hmm. But... Other than that, I've started working on the project that I kept teasing like 10 episodes ago and kept saying it's like a year or two out. And guess what? It's still a year or two out, but at least I'm still I'm back working on it. I like how we have um, this mysterious backroom project that's like me. a slow burn. Well, we need to have something going on. Like, it, right. It, it's, it, <laughs> it, what, what we are secretly telling people is that this has nothing to do with YouTube content, and it's actually our world domination plans that are slow burning on the back burner. That that will slowly unveil how SWS is going to take over the world, Pinky and the Brain style. Uh, so I was just I, I was talking to my boss at work the other day about how my chosen profession is just one hair sliver away from being super villainy at any given second from a, what we do <laughs> standpoint. Because it's like no, we we build these ridiculous things and lure people into them where they spend money on stuff that they mm-hmm. don't need at exorbitant prices, and they're always built on top of a crazy bunker structure. It's like, yeah, we're basically the guys that build supervillain hangouts. Fantastic! Yep. On the flip side, you do technically build hero hangouts, too, I would believe. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's... Uh, no, people don't pay for that one as much. <laughs> no, it's, it's more like there will be a moment in every project I work on where it's like you in a room with a bunch of people, and they say... Like, they'll say something really screwed up, like, people die, or why would the handicapped be allowed into our park, or can't we just charge them more money? <laughs> Like, oh my God. like every single time, like it's like, and some people are super into what I do for a living and they're like, they, they view it as this holy thing. And I have very much made my peace with the fact that like, it's, it really is almost super villain. Like at any given point, I'm like, and this might kill someone terribly. We will try and stop it from doing that. But this is completely kind of designed to kill people. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things like you're not supposed to, or there is a do not enter sign or do not cross the red tape. We d- can't really protect you beyond the red tape. <laughs> well, like kind of moment. It, beyond that, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you might fall and hurt yourself. No, you're going to fall like 100 feet, and then the hydraulic powered lift's going to come crashing down at you at like 60 miles an hour, and then a robot skeleton's going to kick your ass, and you're going to die because a robot skeleton beat you to death. It's canned animation program. It's like, no, no, those things move. They'll break brick if you get it in front of them. Like, they have no... They're not robots. They're like puppets of murder. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Yeah. Oh, no. Well. Theme park design is terrifying and awesome. <laughs> yep. I say, are we dropping that you're working on theme parks now? I, work on, I, I think we've mentioned it before, but I have no clue. I mean, you also had a recent, recent occupation change. It's been the same thing basically the entire time in a weird way. I never mm-hmm. actually managed to get away from it. Maybe we'll do a podcast on my really <clears throat> weird career at yeah. some point and never mention <laughs> any names. <laughs> 
Yeah, because or there was also other times between. Because I remember you designing like traveling stuff too, not just the uh, oh no, stationary that's, things. that's part of it occasionally. Like it's it's called themed entertainment, meaning it is entertainment that's based around theme, like museum exhibits and all that shit. It kind of falls mm. under one giant umbrella. Like if you want to have a really cool corporate lobby, we'll do that too for you. You want to have like a ghost mirror in there? Yep, we can do that. You want a touring museum exhibit? That's my ballpark. You want a roller coaster that shoots flames and does a backflip? I, I know a guy. Yep. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I, I will say this now, German ride manufacturers are super villains. Like, <laughs> anytime you talk to them... You have this feeling that at any given point, they're like in the back of their brain, they want to say something like, and this is where we murder the people that go on our ride! Because, <laughs> like, they'll just do some things. Like, they are the nicest, most amazing, some of the most intelligent people I've ever met. But they design things where it's like, why? We have a safety factor of of point nine one. Oh no! Like, a, the, like the, my favorite, slightly better than crazy. My favorite one was there's a company out there that does some really. They do roller coasters that the cars literally spin around as you move. Yep. And for years they're like, yeah, we do, um, we do, we do with the spinning cars, and they go fast. And then they unveil the spinning car that travels at like a hundred miles an hour and still spins. And that was like, oh my god, you're insane. And then a couple <laughs> years back they're like, so um, we uh. We have unveiled a new technology. Oh, what is it? The um, spinning 100-mile-an-hour car, it goes upside down now. <laughs> so it spins a full rotation and can do loops and can do 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Like a big loop. No corkscrew. So you're just trying to kill people now. No, you try to make them throw up. <laughs> we try to make them throw up. You shouldn't be allowed to do this. <laughs> This ride is too dangerous. We are going to lose lives. I, in, in the world of theme entertainment, there's a concept of thrill factor, and they rate this as, like, the most thrilling. They're like, there has never been a roller coaster made as thrilling as the one we were proposing. I'm like, this should never be made. Like, bury <laughs> this in your back room. Like, this technology needs to be destroyed. Kill the engineer that figured out how to do this stuff. Like, it's like, corner him in the workshop. Hans, you understand what you did? Yeah. You know why we have to do this? For the good of the many? For the good of the many. <laughs> oh my god. I remember reading, I think it was back when Break.com was like a real thing. And they had the list-based entertainment, which has slowly but surely morphed into clickbait. Yep. But I'm talking was. way back, like high school era. And um, there was a list, a thing on like top ten badasses through history. And one of them was the guy who... um. I don't remember who it was, but they basically, there was, like, some number that, like, science had picked that was, like, a human can't go from, like, 200 miles an hour to zero in 40 feet and live. And the guy basically said, fuck you, yeah, I can. Don't and, tell me how to die. Yeah, don't tell me how to live or die. So there's pictures of this guy out there. Um, and his apparatus, I will call it, was basically he took a train car a jet engine and a chair and bolted these things, well, or well, probably welded these things together and proceeded to take a train car going like 200 miles an hour to zero extremely quickly. Yeah. And um, the like full list of injuries he sustained from this, he lived, was like 
several cracked ribs. He got two black eyes from his eyeball slamming forward in his own skull. And, like, there's just the picture of him strapped to this fucking thing wearing a pair of goggles. Like, thrill factor? Off the fucking chart. Idea? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible idea. No, so um, I, uh, this will be the last thing I mentioned. It's still from Future Topics. There is a water park out there that has a um, water slide on it that when it first opened, I'm not sure it actually officially opened, it's the tallest water slide in the world, and as part of its braking system, so you wouldn't like shoot down a mile of track, it has a bump. And when they installed this thing, they screwed <laughs> a little bit of it up, and it became a launcher. So they had <laughs> an extra like, three months of install trying to figure out how to make it not launch 500-pound weights out of the system. <laughs> like, like 50, 60, like, these things didn't like bump. They're like, nope, it's going. <laughs> Launched. Take off. <laughs> Gone. It just adjusted its trajectory. It didn't slow it down at all. Nope. It just gave it a kicker. <laughs> That's great. Oh. We have done nothing but weaponize the raft, sir. <laughs> oh. I'm not saying mistakes were made, but maybe some poor choices were. So on the thought of weaponizing, thank you on the uh, Post E3 podcast for providing my little TV stand with, uh, what was that thing? It's the called the trucker, trucker Friend. The Truck Friend? A Trucker Friend. Yeah, made popular by who... Man vs. Box, another YouTube channel I worked on, where we opened boxes with that thing. Oh, Jesus. Unboxing videos, the SWS way, with large overcompensating weapons. Yep. So... How was your week, Mr. Uh, Charlie? So the week we missed was very much taken up by, well, E3, that thing we talked about in detail in the last podcast. And I guess spoilers, we're going to kind of talk about this week because while we talked a lot about the games and the gaming and shit like that, we never talked about kind of some of the other bullshit that goes along with it. And there's been, like, it, as someone who kind of gets down in the trenches for that stuff, you miss a lot of the other going-ons of the world when you're there and... At least for basically that entire week, I was pretty locked into just E3 land. But since then, I have um, resorted back to my um, normal series of poor choices in life, like... Um, 40 videos? Uh, no, I... <laughs> the biggest reoccurring theme on this podcast. 40 videos aren't a summer activity. <laughs> That's clearly a fall and winter and occasionally spring. <laughs> Three four. out of the four seasons. No, no, are it's, it's, it's very much a winter one. It's a little bit of a fall kind of thing. Forties are not a summer drink, and as a result, there's not a lot of good forty videos made. Maybe vape life videos will pick up, but uh, more. <laughs> I, I I bought a PlayStation TV. Oh, okay. For those unclear, the PlayStation TV is a device that lets you play Vita games on your TV which is both dumb and also kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. It's a nifty little gadget. I bought it because every time I travel for work, there's this game called Persona 4 Golden. I restart my save file and make it about a third of the way through the game, and then I come home and like, this is the time I beat Persona finally. I, wanna, I really want to beat this game finally. And because it's on a handheld and I can't like have bullshit TV going on while I grind out, levels or whatever, because for some reason I can't do that while using a handheld, I always kind of drop it, and the next time I travel, I start playing the game again. And for 20 bucks, 
I will totally buy a device that makes it easier for me to play Persona for extended periods of time. It's basically the price of a Google Chrome. Yeah, that's that was my reaction. It's a neat little device. It, it also allows for Vita capture on our normal equipment, which we may start doing something with because there's some really cool Vita games out there that kind of fell through the cracks. Like the Gravity best. Gravity Falls. Um, that one's coming. It's called uh, Gravity Rush. Yes, that one. Yeah, games like that to a certain extent. That's coming. That that, that came out for consoles though, so it counts less. But like, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the game. It's called. Um, it's a clone of Monster Hunter. But the cool thing is, you're playing a prisoner, and like the weapons are like straight up machine guns, rocket launchers, chainsaw swords, like double bayonets. Like it's like. No, no, this game is nuts, and it's only tackling, like, giant monsters and shit like that. Nice. And you have a grappling hook arm used to, like, attack certain points. Or, like, literally the game is you grapple on control, like, use your weapons to cut through its arms so it can't attack you with that shit anymore. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot, but, yeah, it's neither here nor there. God, what is that game called? Freedom Wars or something? That sounds right-ish. Freedom War? Is that the... I thought that was the... What's it called? The, um game the uh assassin's creed game no freedom wars just just straight up oh, freedom, freedom wars Free, um, freedom cry is the assassin's creed and freedom wars is the game i'm talking about if you own a vita it's real good it's got some cool anime bullshit going on it's fun but moving on with the week i did that um i actually know in the week of the podcast actually the day before we recorded the e3 stuff I was on a different podcast. The um, How Original Podcast does a little, um, what would you call it, a podcast hut seat thing. The week you're hearing this video go, a podcast go up, not video. Theirs will go up on Wednesday if you want to hear me talk about the origins of Something Wicked Studios. And I mean the origin origins, not the YouTube channel, like the name and shit like that. And the one time I almost got sued for a webcomic. Go listen to that. It's got some funny stuff on there. We talk about the yep. moral gray zone that is all the music I ever use for anything in content. And the stuff I made. Yeah. At least so I'm told, because yep. I actually haven't heard this yet. No, it's... I get to sit and wait to hear this like everyone else. We're very confident. Like, literally, it's like, yeah, and eventually Jeff was like, we should stop pirating music, kind of. And I'm like, we should stop doing that. <laughs> we should maybe have something original. But yeah, if they're good people. Go check them out. It gets the How Original podcast. I don't believe they have a website, but you can find them in iTunes and stuff like that. That I'm on the what's called the podcast hut seat thing. They also do like a Sunday show, I believe. That's TV reviews or something like that. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've seen the Sunday thing, and I listened to one of their ones on uh, Star Trek. It seems um, I didn't get through all of it because I listened to podcasts at work and. Yeah. Uh, Something what or I need to go out to the factory floor, so <laughs> I went out to the factory floor, and that was yep. the end of that. No, and they are podcasters, while well, me and Jeff are crazy people. Yes. They seem to have a format and intelligence and seem to have an idea of what they're doing. Yeah, we do too. It's just called badness. Embrace yeah. the chaos. Yes. Uh, but then, so um, I recently, same job, but we moved offices, and I found out, and this is the most important thing I found out recently, that there is an alligator 125 feet from my new desk at hmm. any given point in time in the day. Not always exactly 125 feet, but give or take a, give or take kind of five, six feet, there's always an alligator 125 feet from my desk. And this is because 
The animal shelter near our, our new offices has an alligator in residence. Its name is Tina. It's been there for 16 years. This is not a small alligator. No, not at 16 years there. No. Small. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, I. Well, that, that certainly adds some excitement to an otherwise dull work day. I, so the best thing is my girlfriend found this on sent this text of, you're like 500 feet from an alligator right now. I'm like, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. Here's a link. I'm like, holy shit. So I start geotagging stuff. And I'm like, I'm actually only 125 feet from an alligator. So if you thought you had a dangerous job, just think about this. I have at any given point during my eight-hour workday, 125 feet from an apex predator. Constantly. Or a potential accident. Yes. With all, everything else you've described. Swinging murder hydraulic machines, living alligator. The fun never stops. Hey, You're I like, live in Yeah, day. no, I pretty much doesn't ever life. stop. But I have gotten permission to put on my desk at work a sign that just reads, you are 125 feet from an alligator right now. Nice. Which I find very funny. <laughs> How many of your, like, coworkers were even aware it was there? Zero. Zero. Oh, nice. Good work, Jen. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, it's mostly been kind of digging through the pile that's been post E3 stuff and catching up on sleep. And well, so you may have noticed the podcast went up a little bit late or the post E3 one up a little bit late and channel stuff has been a wreck because getting the video up that went along with the post E3 thing was bad. I think that thing was in process for a solid 36 hours. That entire video is somehow 120 gigs in size, because of course it is. So mm-hmm. I had a fun couple days of shoving it through the tubes to get to YouTube itself, which that was the biggest thing I did this week in some ways, was actually getting that full process worked out, because that was a fight the entire goddamn way. Yeah. Good work on that on that video though. Like oh, it turned out nice. Yeah, the, uh, the, vi- the uh, all the stuff with the footage and whatnot came out really well. That may be one of our favorite videos we've ever posted, and I have some other favorite ones, but that one's definitely high on the list of like, yeah, we should do more of these. Oh god, these are such a pain in the ass to do. Yep. <laughs> it's like, man, they came out so great. I hope I never do it again, but oh, I no. want more of I, it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing one of those every once a month kind of thing. It's the uploading, like it's the editing, recording, all that stuff. It's fun for me. It's when your upload gets to 90% and then YouTube goes, hey, you've been uploading for 13 hours. We're going to kick you off because we're doing something malicious. I'm like, no, it's just a giant-ass file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. But that's and YouTube basically does it like look at you and like, now you've uploaded videos before, so we know you're not a bot, but the fuck, guy, the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned about compression in YouTube as a result of this, and... That is a hole I never wanted to go all the way down, but through the magic of compression, I've turned an 120-gig file into a 35-gig file with minimal <laughs> loss. Hmm. And then YouTube, For your viewing pleasure. And then YouTube smooths over the rest, but yeah. Maybe we'll do another follow-up on gear and all that bullshit we do occasionally topic at some point, but yep. that's not why you're here. You're here for the Wicked Awesome cast, and that means it's time for, well... I guess news, because there's guess. a surprising <laughs> amount of news for the week after E3, and most of it is not great. Mm-hmm. So I can start off with the ugly, if you will. Um, 
Apparently Overwatch is a big thing in certain communities, specifically Korea, specifically South Korea. Mm-hmm. So much so that um, we're already having rampant accusations of cheating and possible cheating. But um, I guess one of the top Overwatch players, a uh, female Korean lady, uh, has been accused of cheating. And I've watched her video on numerous occasions now. And if that's actually skill, that's damn impressive. I mean, the things that people look for in cheating, I never like... I've been with players who have, like, accused other people, and I've seen Counter-Strike, like, really high-tier Counter-Strike players play. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between someone who's actually cheating and just a Counter-Strike player being themselves. They are so fucking out of this world. Yeah, no, that's that's this is on that level, but at the same time, it's two on that level, but who knows? Like, yeah. the hitboxes in that game are generous enough that this actually could be possible. Yeah. Because one of the big differences between this and some other things is, like, Steam and Valve have a very good mod community, and they have, like, what is it, the SDK packages and stuff? That, that sounds like, right. They, Steam and Valve are much more open source, so you're going to run into the issue of pirate or not piracy, but cheating at some point just because the source code's available. Whereas Blizzard is a very closed source company and doesn't want you fucking with their game at all. Yeah. It has no mod support. Yep. Um, so it's going to be very different. It's going to be much harder for people to hack into uh, Overwatch as opposed to a game like Counter-Strike. Yeah. Which I've... All the people who I've talked to who are really good at the game say that the upper tier of that right now is, like, absolutely rampant with hacking and a complete and total problem. It's... I, maybe we should mark it on this podcast officially. I'm not convinced we'll be talking about Overwatch in a lots of people are still playing it way. In a year, I think it will be a very esports game at that point, but I'm not sure it'll be as widely as popular as it currently is in a year at this point. I think one of the big pivotal marks is going to be um, this upcoming BlizzCon because that's where our, I believe at the moment they haven't announced anything for Overwatch, like a tournament or anything. Yeah. But that's going to be kind of the moment that they're going to have to like put their foot in the dirt and be like, okay here's where we step in, like, Riot game style and, like, start supporting this eSport as opposed to just kind of letting it organically take care of itself. No, I think that's the difference, too. Like, it's... The league ladder is an aggressive enough one where it takes time to get up in that game, and there are more unlockables that are interesting to play with. The Overwatch system does not really yield itself to over... uh, There aren't good unlocks in that game. Like, it's skins and sprays and voice packs, none of which are the hotness. Mm. There isn't a hundred and was it hundred and thirty six Overwatch characters? Yeah, no, and that's the thing too. Like it's even though I'm not a big fan of MOBAs, there are some characters in League I find fun to play. Mm-hmm. If there was ever like a single player like StarCraft uh, storyline type thing. Yeah, I'd probably jump in with that definitely. Like, and the reality is, I played it. Not seriously, but I played it relatively heavily for a couple months. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is not for me, but like, if we were back in your neck of the woods, it would be fine to do something with that game again or something like that. Like, it's, I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to playing. I still have, like, no, I don't want to play 40 hours this a week kind of thing. It's not just not for me, but I found that at least enjoyable to play. Overwatch was, yep, this is not for me at the end of the day, it turns out. I find that shooters in general are having more and more difficulty holding my attention 
which the the other day I absolutely love first person shooters, but I find myself bouncing between them. I think yeah because the, you get to a point a lot in shooters where it's like what do you unlock from here because a lot of the characters typically play so similar. Overwatch is gonna shake the snow globe at some point because they're they do have plans and announced like more characters coming. Yeah, um, and I think it's I think the reality though is in, in the case of their balancing system as opposed to balancing. They're they're a team based game where League can Dota can balance themselves across having every champion balanced against each other in theory. Overwatch because it's a it's you swap mid match has to have a, you can't unlock the characters. Everyone has to have the same characters for the mm-hmm. balance to exist. Like it's the yes, if you have a team of nothing but mercies, that's on you, and that's a mm-hmm. bad team composition. Where in League and Dota, maybe that's not the most viable team option. But it is possible that to be a viable-ish way to play. Like, it's not going to be high-level tier, but you could get some kills still, at least. Yeah. I think that, like, an actual team composition hasn't been really, like, solidified yet. Like, there's the predetermined one Blizzard suggests that's, like, you should have a support, a tank, a builder, and then damage. Yeah. And I'm not fully convinced that that's the most optimum way it to isn't. play the game. Um, but our, And when somebody figures out, like... Okay, the optimum thing is, I don't know, like, two healers and four damage dealers, or two healers, one tank, and three damage dealers. Like, whatever it is will surface to the top as people play the game more. Yeah. More than it'll be, I think, Blizzard's guiding hand. No, Blizzard's I, doing, this is the easiest way to play, not the best per se. Yeah, and I think it's, at least in my opinion, I'm starting to have the reaction of, I think Blizzard made an especially effective hype cream that got people really excited for a game that a lot of people may have bought into, not fully understanding what it was. Like it's still obviously super popular, but at the same time, it's a pretty not limited, limited. But like, I finally find what bugged me the most about the game. It's the fact that the character classes in the game are all named people, but then you can have multiple of the same person on a team where it's like you can have 12, not 12, but like three tracers. It's like, no, no, it's a scout. Call something generic. It's not a person. And when you ask, it's a weird gripe I had where I'm like, this encapsulates all of my issues. Like, there's no lore to play with. There's, it's like, these shouldn't have names. They should just be classes at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. speaking of first-person shooters, guess what turned 20? Counter-Strike? Quake. Quake. Oh, another old one. Even though Quake is dead to me, courtesy of uh, Quake Champions or mm-hmm. uh, Quake Legends, Quake Champions, whatever it's called. Yeah, I... Quake turned 20. Guess what also turned 20? Also turned 20, something that came the same year as Quake. Well, it can't be Unreal Tournament. Um, Jesus, all this Quake. Doom? The Nintendo 64. Really? Yeah. Oh, congrats to the little guy. Yep. I now know that I'm only six years older than my N64. Yep, that's a weird that's a weird situation to be in, yeah. Yeah. But now to make it weirder for you, and moving on from happy Uh-oh. stuff to sad stuff again, uh, Vivendi now owns 20.1% of Ubisoft. If it gets <laughs> to 30%, they have to make an offer, and then Ubisoft have to consider that offer under French law. Um as we talked about a little bit on the uh, post-E3 stuff, Vivendi definitely seems to be interested in acquiring slowly all of Ubisoft. and I, I very, That is a very threatening purchase. <laughs> yeah, that's... 
they upped it. They had like 10%. Now they're up to 20.1%. Like they are, they're nearing the threshold where it becomes a problem for Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially because they bought out that mobile game company. Like they hostile took over a mobile game company a couple months back. But speaking of um, hostile takeovers, or at least takeovers, Clash of Clans dev has been bought for $8.6 billion by Tencent. Aren't those the guys that own League? Tencent? I don't know. They might. I feel like they do, um, but I could be wrong. Tencent? Like T-E-N? T-E-N-C-E-N-T. <laughs> yeah. Um... Tencent, what do you own? You are a shareholding company. Shit tons of things, apparently. Chinese. Yep. Uh, it's starting to sound like it. Um, online games. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Ah, come on. Eh, it doesn't matter that much. They do own Riot. Yeah, that's... They bought... They got the majority... Equity interest of 92.78% in 2011 for $230 million. So to put it in perspective, they bought a mobile company for more than they bought Riot majority for. Well, they also bought Riot when they weren't like... That's true. ...a success. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I kind of like to think they bought the Clash of Clans guys with Riot money. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, uh... Continuing on the kind of not-so-great news post-E3, um, remember that game, Mighty Number no. 9, I talked about two years ago in our post-E3 stuff and have mentioned on and off ever since? Yes. It came out! I heard mixed things. Uh, you probably heard very mixed things, because allegedly it's not great, but the part we're going to talk about is the fact that the handling of the rewards, the Kickstarter, if I remember this was a Kickstarter at one point, it's been yep. a bit of a goddamn train wreck. I think Kickstarter's going to have to step in at some point and try and facilitate the reward systems, because, like, between, like, this, the Oculus, like... I have kickstarted things, and to my fortune, I have received everything I've kickstarted. Um, one of the things came kind of slow, but it still came, but it was an original art piece, so I can't really yeah. complain. No, um, But, like... There seems to be so much growing pains with some of these companies and actually, like, fulfilling their Kickstarter obligations. And I don't think Kickstarter really has much in the way of, like, the Kickstarter police. They're not required to. They've started to have some issues with that. But the reality is it's very possible to get something kickstarted and then just fucking take the money so long as you post enough stuff to be like, yup, we failed. Yep. No, it's like the plot line to the movie, The Producers. But the thing is, though, with Kickstarter is they don't charge you until the thing is officially Kickstarted. Funded, yeah, but the funded doesn't... Funded happens way before you can, in theory, fail. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. No, I actually threw this on here because I, I've actually... I've been waiting, and not in like a happy way, but I've been waiting patiently for... <laughs> the first nostalgia-driven Kickstarter game to come out that was actually bad. And I'm sure lots of people are like, oh, Deep Silver kind of fucked this one up. It's not what we were promised. And the development cycle was so bad and shit like that. But no, no, no. This is a kind of bad game. Like, it's not a terrible game from what I can tell. But it it's not what people wanted. And the handling of it has been god-awful. And... 
this was a super high profile game. Like this was, I want to say one of the first really big Kickstarter profile games where it's like, look, we have a major developer working on this. Like this, these are names, you know, and respect and love. Here's a game from him. And we joke about star citizen a bunch, but this kind of falls in the same category of be careful what you ask for. Star Citizen's what, on how many years of development time at this point, and how many billions of dollars? Like, two years? Yeah. It hasn't been out that... Star Citizen hasn't been around that long. I think it's going at least three or four, though. I think we've been making jokes about the entire length of the existence of the channel, so it's at least... It's at least two, possibly longer. I'm not going to Google it, because we already wasted enough time on one Google. Yeah, no, but it's... I'm and I mean, I, you could be right. I mean, even if you are, like, games don't come out in four years unless no. they're freaking Call of Duty games. Ah, uh, but development <laughs> or cycles or, generally uh, like two or three. EA Sports games. Yeah, but at the same time, like, there's been a slow rise of. I wouldn't call them disappointing, but maybe not as good as we want them to be. Kickstarter games, which I've been wondering what would start to kind of cap that excitement for that development platform. And I mean, we also have a very small sample size on Kickstarter games that make their way to the public eye. That's true. I mean, the I think what probably is going to be the, like, pinnacle of it is how well Psychonauts 2 does. That's not Kickstarter, that's Fig, and that's a, that's a weird one. I'm not sure that one counts in this case because that's the exact same people making the game. Like, it's not, yeah. hey, here's this new thing. But it's still going to be a moment of, like, the pre-order, it's going to still be a test of, like, the pre-order style marketing sure. campaign. Um, and if people wind up like, okay, everyone gave you more money than you were supposed to ever have, what did you put it towards? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I have faith in Tim Schafer. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, the, one of the things that was always kind of a hard disappointment is Psychonauts 1 ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, it ended saying, hey, look for Psychonauts 2. Um, and I've always wanted it. So fortunately, there's already groundwork inlaid into the product I already enjoy, which is a good thing. I mean, actually, now I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I wish they'd HD up-res that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be really, I think, that game is probably going to be a big test of the pre-order system. Um... I feel like there's going to be, I think there's been more games than just Star Citizen that have, like, since tried to announce that they're doing the Star Citizen, like, game style. And it's going to be weird to see how, like, Star Citizen enters market, makes their money, and then someone else comes in. And if someone comes in and makes a better game, how people will feel if, like, hey, Star Citizen finally came out. Turns out it's fantastic, but a better predecessor came out in the meantime. And that's just it, too. Like, at the same time, you have Eve Valkyrie out there, which is kind of Star Citizen at the end of the day. It's not <clears throat> as much as Star Citizen is, but it's like, no, it's a space fighter combat game. And that's had... At the very least, it'll certainly be out sooner. It's already out. Like, it's the Oculus one. and you ha But yeah. you also have, like... um. You have a resurgence of space shooters that kind of do the here multiple ships. They all work differently, et cetera, et cetera. They're part of a bigger world. There's stuff out there for those pe people at this point that, yeah, I I'm kind of with you on that one where it's like, if Star Citizen comes out and there's a better Star Citizen out, that'll be real interesting to watch. Yeah. To watch people like almost like go a step backward, like, 
Because I could see, like, you know, imagining... This is going to be a unique scenario future that I'm about to depict here, but, sure. like, imagine in a universe where Eve creates Eve 2. It's everything we wanted Star Citizen to be. Star Citizen, or Eve 2 launches, it's wildly successful. Star Citizen finally comes out, and it's 90% as good as Eve 2. Like, yeah, I, I, it's it's weird to, like, would that be disappointing? Would people jump to Star Citizen? It, it'd be really interesting. Like, I don't have a definitive answer to this. Yeah, one. no, it's 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 why I actually find stuff like Eve and Star Citizen still interesting because like I don't care about Eve the game, but like the fan base for that thing is fantastic to follow. And oh, I mean, Eve's lore is like yeah. Twitch plays Pokemon. Like the lore is amazing. I, actually, playing the game's okay. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's um, like you have Star Citizen where I have probably found this crazy story leading up to the game eventually, hopefully, far more than I will ever find that game at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you mentioned before that one of the things that we could potentially do for uh, Extra Life would be to place uh, the original Freelancer. Yeah. I don't know if you ever played it. I don't think I have. Yeah. It's actually a really good game. No, no, we'll check it out um, at some point, probably. It's actually one of the last few, like, well, not last few, but it was actually a game with a really good uh, single player to back it up. Because um, I know back then, I actually literally was like, my family was letting me use the 56K in the wall because my dad's computer had the DSL. Like, that's how far back that fucking game is. Um, And the I still played multiplayer. It sucked. It was laggy and horrific, so yeah. I was using a fucking dial-up line. But, I mean, it existed. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny you mentioned DSL because I was I was talking to someone a while back about like internet stuff and I'm like yeah internet kind of in LA sucks because DSL is stuff like what's DSL and I'm like you know fancy dial up that's not a thing yeah. anymore yes it is mm -hmm. nah it's uh, I love watching like you know FIO or it'll be like FIOS or Comcast shitting on DSL and they're like. Speeds up to fifty times faster than than DSL. What? And ten thousand times faster than dial up? You need a new benchmark. <laughs> so are carrier pigeons. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the new Toyota, you know the new Toyota Yaris is up to sixty times faster than a Model T. No kidding. <laughs> Did you know bicycles are faster than snails? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's, like, multi-speed bicycles out there that are faster than probably some of, like, the original Ford and, like, Stanley Steamer vehicles. I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely safer. <laughs> oh, certainly that. If And if a friggin' uh, bicycle isn't a horse is, so... Yeah. Uh, we're way in the weeds this week, but it's a fun oh, one. Oh, my God, But I guess yeah. to close out our news segment on some uplifting stuff... <clears throat> um, the Steam Woo! Summer Sale is upon us. It runs till it July fourth. It's as someone who's getting to experience my first real Steam Summer Sale, I don't get the hype that was around. Is this like a weirdly underwhelming Steam Sale, or will I be more excited later? The uh, Steam Go Sale goes on. As the Steam Sale goes on, well, it depends. So, if I had to guess, you're probably in the weird scenario that I am, which is. Like, there's no good way to say this without sounding, like, braggadocious, so I'm just going to say it, which is, like, 
My Steam library is colossal. It's not the biggest one out there, but sure. I've got 240-something games on Steam, most of which I have not or will not ever touch because I collect them from Steam sales and stuff. Yeah. And I pick up games mad fucking cheap. Now, when Steam sale rolls around, it's like, okay, what games are out I actually need to pick up? And that's where I run into the problem. Like, I... I'll admit, I picked up on this Steam sale, I picked up Doom for $35. Yeah, that's a good price for Doom. Which Doom's was good. a great price, and I got Dying Light for half off as well. That's not a bad one either. Um, Like, outside of those two, which are both like, eh, nice to have. Like, I might get to play these someday. If they sit in the back of the account, I won't be super upset. But, like, back when I had, like, my first Steam sale, and was like, oh my god, I, I don't have Age of Empires 2, and... I don't have this game, and oh my god, I was waiting for this game to get this low. The and collector like, approach, essentially. It, well, not just collector, but it was like, these games had barrier to entry before I was gainfully sure. employed. Whereas nowadays, like, if I'm really, like, fixing for something, I can just acquisition it. Yes. Um, and because of that, like, the Steam sale doesn't, um... It doesn't bring down the barrier to entry on as many things for me as sure. it definitely does. Like, I can totally go back to where I was, like, two or three years ago where it's like, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, this AAA title's this cheap. I didn't even think I'd get to play this game before it went out of style. Like, yeah, um, that's where the hype comes from. After your first couple Steam sales, you start to, like, look at this, look at your library, then look back at Steam and go, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I have the habit of just buying the games I want when I want them, so it's like, eh, I already had to, yeah. oh, it's, it's like, I could buy this again, oh wait, I already own that, and I guess like this is where I get kind of weird on this topic, because as a console gamer, it was always like, man, these Steam sales sound so cool, and I'm looking at this prices going, these are okay prices, these are only like half off, like, and half That's of these... day one, though, yeah. they do fluctuate. They're not doing flash sales, apparently, which I'm not sure what that means, so, historically, what they would do is the Steam sale updates what's actually on sale, like, every day. Okay. And they used to do, like, okay, for 10 minutes, you can get this game for, like, 95% off or something stupid. Sure. Um, and they've stopped doing that kind of stuff. That seems fun, though, to me. It is. Well, it was. Yeah. Um, and they involve a whole bunch of, like, other community stuff, like trading cards and whatnot, which is a hype machine that just doesn't work on me. Um, my only interactions with that have been to despise the fact they gave me an Ashley Graham card, and I tried to sell it for $0, but apparently I have to charge at least a penny, and I felt awful about that. I was like, no, people should not trade currency for a pick trading card of Ashley Graham. Who? I hate her. At, it's the girl from Resident Evil 4. Oh, got it. Um... I was like, she's the fucking worst character in person ever. I I, I kill her occasionally. And uh, it made me sell her for... Or actually, no, it made me sell her for a minimum of, I think, 11 cents or something like that. I was like, this is a ripoff. But get it away from my account. And <laughs> I put it on the block, and like two months later, it was gone. No, so fair. someone must have been trying to collect all the RE cards. Yeah, I don't get it, but yeah. Um, I like... One of the first times they did it, I know this, I believe this is actually how The Binding of Isaac got popular, is it was one of the first games to have the trading cards. And because The Binding of Isaac has all the tarot card stuff, yeah. those cards are kind of cool. Um, but yeah, 
Steam trading cards don't really do it for me. I believe people can spiral them into badges, which is just all part of growing that e-penis. Yeah. Um, today I actually went on my Steam account and I have a badge I didn't know I had, which was, um, guess how old my Steam account is? How old? Eight years. I was like, geez, I didn't realize I had this that long. I'm curious how old my Steam account is. There is a way to look it up. Yeah, I'll have to look that up, because there's a chance mine might be older than that. When did Half-Life 2 come out? I know that I got Steam when I got Counter-Strike Source. Now, obviously, there are ways to get and have Steam pre-Counter-Strike Source, yeah. so it's very possible. Um, it was actually interesting seeing Steam kind of come up in the world. No, no, no. In back, that, like... Way back that, when, it was kind of like, yep, here's a thing you have to log into. Why? Yeah, it originally was an obstruction for, like, I'm a Half-Life 2 player. Oh, you can log into Steam. Can? What do you mean, can? Get the fuck out of my way. Load the game. I put in the disc. Who puts in discs? Um, but. So, yeah. would you like to move on to the next topic? Or? Oh, no, we got two more little things on the on the news to kind of satiate our little depressive topics, because the news this week was mostly shitty. Um, yeah. In... News that makes both me and Jeff probably super happy. Amazing Katamari Damacy has been trademarked in Japan. Ooh. Hopefully that means a new Katamari Damacy game, but I I don't know. A piece of me almost wants, like, Edmund Mc... Or was it Edmund Gould or Edmund McMillan, the guy who makes The Binding of Isaac and all that, to be on that project a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Or at least I'd... to make his own version of it. That'd be cool. <laughs> I just like knowing Katamari Damacy is still kind of alive. I, that that makes me happy. Oh, yeah. No, after all these years, Katamari Damacy making a comeback? That's fantastic. I, I'll, I'll, only news I got is the trademark has been filed in Japan. That could mean a whole variety of things. But as someone who loves that franchise, I have hope, I guess. Yeah, I... And to, to, to polish this off for us... Um, Burger King has introduced the Mac and Cheetos. Oh. Okay. Want to guess what that Actually, is? Actually, no, that sounds good. Want to guess what that is, Jeff? Macaroni and cheese with Cheetos in it? No. Aw, I want that now. It is a puffy Cheeto shell full of Mac and cheese. <laughs> Oh, God, the food crimes just keep happening. Yep, but th that one was bad enough I thought it deserved to be in news. So, one of the things that I love doing is taking chips and putting them in recipes that don't necessarily entail them, such as sandwiches and burgers. And one of the best things you can have is, if, you, if you're ever having chili, if you can just dump in Cheetos and Doritos and just blend it in, it's fantastic. That or, sounds um, horrible, because I hate Doritos, but... Or Cheetos, then. Yeah. Um, it works really well. And then, um... One of the most oddly addicting things out there is the um, Fritos Barbecue Twists. They're one of these, like, little obscure things that, like, they're kind of peppery, kind of barbecue-y, and, like, completely addictive in a weird way. They're fantastic. I love them. And those in chili is really good. Uh, and we're back to the food portion of the Yeah, I, like I said, not much has happened since E3, which when I flowed the initial topic to Jeff for this main for the our main topic this week, I was gonna call it kind of picking the bones or scraping up the rubble from E3 because The wreckage. Yeah, that's the best word for it, because what we talked about what we did and didn't like that they were showing off, we never actually talked about 
it in general, I guess I want to say. And like post E three, you actually learn the most about stuff that happened there than you do while you're actually there. You're kind of having some tunnel vision going on. It's fucking E three week after all. It's video game Christmas. It's like holy crap, stuff's coming out, but. We've now had a week to process and meditate and think back on some things. This will probably be uh, one of our shorter ones because, as Jeff pointed out, we started recording. This will indeed be our 33 podcast in a row, technically. We'll mm-hmm. find a new topic next week, I promise. That'll probably be the Uncharted spoiler cast or an in-depth yep. discussion of Uncharted 4, if you will, followed by the food Jeff cast. Had, say Jeff held up, held up his end and finished Uncharted 4. Yes, I'm very happy with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... I guess like the the most interesting thing to me is always how much I manage to miss when I'm at E3. Like it's really I do think it might be impossible for one person to play everything at E3. And I try every year, and I like I, I, I every year I miss uh, every year meaning two years in a row. I've missed the Devolver Barbecue, which I should spend more time there because Devolver is one of my favorite publishing studios at this point. Mm-hmm. And they literally have like a trailer park barbecue a block from the space. And like I didn't get a chance to play Titanfall 2 really. I got to look at it and stuff like that, but EA was off being EA and weird. Mm-hmm. Farming simulator was there, and I never got a chance to see that. Apparently it was there somewhere, but like it's at least been interesting for me to A hear how much stuff I missed, and then the overall reaction to the show being just kind of yeah, we're not sure E3 will be around in a decade, like let alone five years. So maybe if it's on your bucket list of things you absolutely want to go do, get on that. Because for the first time ever, I'm kind of agreeing with people on the topic of maybe this isn't a thing we can keep doing forever as it stands. Because it wasn't great this year. There were some fantastic games, but at the same time, I'd have been curious about those games Anyway, like the same level of reaction would have been like, hey, here's a time demo or something. No line mm-hmm. waiting. I mean, the one nice thing about that's kind of different between this is I greatly prefer and enjoy a Sony press release as opposed to a game f- trailer or not game trailers, a uh, game facts or game spot exclusive reveal. Um, because it forces these companies to get together and put together a like you know, a dog and pony show and actually, like, have, you know, all these spectacles and the Crash Bandicoot thing and actually makes them, like, you know, a press release is more than just a five-minute video or a um, an article. Like, it, they have to get up there, have a person talk about it, really explain it, and they don't have to suffer from the fact of, like, when it comes to making, like, YouTube videos and stuff, I'm sure you can watch our metrics and whatnot. Most people, if there's a great collection of people that will um leave a video in the first five minutes yeah no the drop even off if it's rate, something drop off rates are pretty high yeah for everything yeah. even if it's something that you like like i can't tell you how many league of legends videos i've opened up like watch a few minutes go eh, i know where this is going and close them oh no the ideal length for a youtube video is something like three minutes and 40 <clears throat> seconds or something <clears throat> like that is if you can get videos in that time frame you're at your best and I occasionally have some stuff like we try and keep stuff under 10 minutes when we can. Obviously, our ongoing series, not so much because we're trying to actually get through a game at the end of the day. But, yeah, no, the ideal time for a mu- for a video on YouTube is essentially music video length. 
Mm-hmm. That really makes sense completely. And you're also <laughs> talking about that that point, the thing that made YouTube successful, which was sudden access to shit like music videos were at, was on your time, not MTV's bullshit time. Like, you yep. wanted to watch that funny commercial? YouTube had it. You wanted to watch that music video? YouTube probably had it. Mm-hmm. It was probably going up and down like a carousel or like a merry-go-round. Yep. <laughs> the internet conveyor belt. No, but that's it. Gaming stuff is kind of unique in the fact that we can get away with long content because most YouTube stuff, and we joke about this occasionally, isn't really content. It's a quick video of some kind, which is technically content, but it's not long stuff with some frequency. It's not trying to play through a game or tell a movie. It's here's 30 seconds of comedy or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, definitely. Yeah. I guess, like, we never really talked about... How did you feel about E3 this year, It's overall? I mean, I think that the big... It was interesting to see Nintendo not doing a press conference. Yeah, they did that last year, um, though, either. But they had, like, an, they had an official Nintendo direct. They had a thing, you're right. This was the first yeah. year that a thing. It was an interesting, like, change in um, idea. I mean, Nintendo is the one that always has the, like... Whenever I'm watching, like, the Digino gaming on a Nintendo product or something, like, they have the ideas that are like, so we played around with the idea of the main character being a, you know, wallaby, and we thought, yeah, that could be fun, and it's like, I really don't see how you made that conclusion. The game yeah. that you, the game turned out fine, but I, I, I just don't know how you made that logical leap ever. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they'll present me with things that I can't follow their train of thought. And I can definitely see this being like a, so we came up with the idea of, Instead of, you know, doing a press release, we were just going to let the game speak for itself and let people play it for 24 hours. And, like, on paper, I can sit here and go, that doesn't, you know, at a thing of press releases, that's kind of an awkward way to do that. But at the same time, it, you know, kind of worked. Um, and I don't think it was that bad of an idea. I think they should have done a cookie's and. I think they should have done both of these things. Yeah. But... Some of the stuff that you're talking about, like the wreckage of Activision's old booth, like um, Valve not being there, PC, although PC having a its own conference in the first place was kind of awkward in a it's weird way. It's a PC game. It's a PC magazine's conference. It's not really a conference for PC. Okay. It's a, I watched it. I've watched the two years it's happened, and it's always – it's – it'd be like IGN or GameStop or something with its studios – hosting an E3 conference where it's like, and here are our friends at NVIDIA. Hey, we have this graphics card that you probably all know about already. Alienware uses them. Speaking of Alienware, here are our friends from Alienware. Yep. Look how good Doom looks. Look at it. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of companies that I feel like should have had press conferences of something. Yeah. Um, well, the fact Activision just I mean, wasn't there, I thought, was sad. But at the same time, though, too, their bread and butter right now is Destiny, Call of Duty, and Skylanders. And all three of those things sell themselves. Yep. Well, I mean, Skylanders kind of got a shout. Yeah. Um, From, uh, what's it called? Uh, Crash Bandicoot. I mean, what else has Activision got going on right Destiny. now? I'm just, like, bringing them up. They got the Call of Duty games. 
They hey, got if there's some anything stuff. new with Prototype coming out, no, I guess they could tell never, that, ever but... again, sadly. Never? Much... Did that series end? I didn't get to play the second one. The second one's real good. It's never coming back, though. That game did not sell well. That... Okay. F- Prototype 2 is the only game I've ever gone through the process of platinuming on my PlayStation console. Mm-hmm. And I have no yeah. idea why, but something about that, like, that might be what I think is, like, one of my favorite games of all time that's also kind of a shitty game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just looking through the list of stuff that they have here, like, I mean, it looks like they might have a Ghostbusters game coming out that on the horizon. That sounds right, yeah. Chivalry, I guess, is theirs, and, I mean, Chivalry had a lot of things to worry about. Um, Didn't Chivalry actually, already come out? They own Guitar Hero. Yeah, they own. Guitar or Chivalry Hero. is out. They own Guitar Hero. Yeah, own actually, Guitar I'm Hero. amazed that with like the things going on this year with Guitar Hero, I guess either they're accepting that it's dead because there was all those like last dish effort sale things with that we talked about before. Sure. That um, they either just accepting the fact that those didn't do well as that's the fork in the uh, I don't even know what you stick the fork in, um for that expression um fork in the metaphor yeah and um so maybe i guess the, them not being there is just kind of a sign that the guitar hero series is just dead um trying to think i mean valve not having anything isn't necessarily surprising because they're on their own schedule and when they're ready to release a game they will damn well do it um It'd be nice to, or, I don't know, I guess in my head, Valve probably could, no, actually no, I don't imagine Valve blindsiding me with a con- with content that isn't one of their major titles, because already they have enough, like, if Valve came out tomorrow and was like, we made this new game that's totally unrelated to all of our other yeah, IPs, Valve people would be like, why aren't you spending this? time on your other IPs? If Valve doesn't need to do anything at this point, like, if they release <clears> anything, it will be a big deal, and... At the same time, Valve at this point is more of a sales company. They're selling that Steam is what makes them money. I'm sure Fallout Three would make them a small pile of cash compared yeah, to Half Life. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what game did I say? Fallout. <laughs> I'm sure Fallout Four has also made them any appropriately equal amount of cash as Half Life Three would. Hmm. Like it's just a game at that point. Like even. They guarantee make more money in a day off Steam than they probably would if they released a new game. Yeah. So why bother in some sad ways? Yeah. I can also kind of see, I'm actually amazed that, like, GOG wasn't there because that'd be a great time to be like, hey, guys, there's options other than yeah! Steam. Yeah! I want GOG to get out there a little bit more because I want to like GOG, but I also don't care about the majority of the yeah. games GOG has. I've gotten a few things, or, well, actually, I've, I've told this story before. Yeah. I have Pharaoh through GOG. Um, I think that they are very much like Steam. If they had this, the full rest of Steam's library, I would stop buying things through Steam. <laughs> also, if they had the Steam sales to bring down prices. Yeah. But stuff but on GOG, GOG is already so cheap by comparison. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, I normally just wind up on G2A. Um... Because they are the number one way to get things cheap. And in a moral gray zone. And in a moral gray zone. Yes. kind. I mean, I think you've explained with your PlayStation 4, moral gray is the best way to acquisition anything. Yeah, no, at the, at the same time, though, G2A has actually been in the news a little bit lately. 
a bunch of developers been like, hey, we lost this much money because of G2A. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> I get, but at the same time, it's not illegal. It's just highly immoral. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. a weird realm to be in, but back to E3, I guess. So, Jeff, <laughs> you've never been to E3. I have not. Would you still want to go to an E3? I mean... I would go to an E3 because everybody's, or it's great to have your first E3. Yeah. That said, like, getting me to the West Coast would be a hole to fucking do. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I, it would be a ton of fun, I think, to go and to get to, like, play things that, like, for a short period of time, well, it's actually going to be a pretty long period of time, there are games that I want to play, you've played. Yeah. I have not. I did not get to play Resident Evil 7. And it is kind of... The beauty of E3 is paying for the right to get to do that. And what's weird is actually a piece of me would want to go kind of to the thing that I don't think I could, which it would be some of the developer press releases. like The conferences? The conferences are actually something I'd kind of enjoy. That said, yeah. I've also been to engineering conferences, and I know that I'm capable of putting up with presentations. Yeah. Um, I don't know, video games, it's more like, look, it's like a movie at that point. Like, look at the things yeah. you want. I do want those things. Yeah, it's much more exciting to listen to that than, you know, some person's, you know, college project. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I like E3. I hope it sticks around for the sheer fact that the press releases force companies to put time and effort into conveying what's great about their media and a way that isn't just a five-minute video or three-minute and 40-second video or, uh, like, written thing. Like, because there's certain things like, um, I think it was actually Doom I was reading about is having, like, a free demo weekend or yeah, something. Yeah, you play the first level of the game. And the article was talking about how demos of games are, like, dead. Yeah, they're gone. And E3 is the only place that that experience resurrects. Like, I can't, or unless I'm unaware, I can't go and play the demo of Resident Evil 7 that you did anywhere. Unless PlayStation's put it up I think you can. I think it's the same first episode thing. At least that's the impression I got. Say, I'd be fine with that just for the sheer fact of, like, it's, uh, or they gave you the first level if they gave me the first level i'd be happy like it's a demo you're not supposed to give me the full game yeah the one or the one thing you're gonna have leg up on me on is there's no way for me to get a playstation vr um because that's straight up unreleased yeah and they can't get me hardware they can't demo me hardware at my own home. come to your house strap you into a vr it's like this is vr we have to leave now yes um and we're taking it with us or 400 of your dollars. <laughs> your choice. Money or give us back the headset. <laughs> so, in that regard, um, there's definitely a place, I think, for E3. I think especially because there's so much hardware stuff that needs to be demoed now because of VR. And, I, and honestly, a lot of the technologies that VR paves the way for, such as, like, uh, force feed motion-controlled things and stuff, or force feedback is the word I meant. Yeah. Um, and things like that that, like, could come up in the world um, and be really cool stuff. Um, that E3 is kind of a requisite to get, like, the rec- the necessary uh, recognition. Because, like, 
if you create the best, like, you create a suit that is force feedback and it, you know, meshes with all these VR things, literally drops you into the goddamn, drops you in a Gundam. But there's no way to go get people and get them to try this thing unless there's a convention like this. No, and you're talking about the inherent issue of VRs. You can't explain VR until someone puts VR on their head. Yes. Um, that is entirely true. Yeah. Um, so I guess Jeff's final synopsis of that is Jeff hopes that VR gets to stick around and Jeff... Or not VR. E3 gets to stick around. Yeah. Um... Because I think it's an important part of, like, marketing, and it forces a lot of these companies to try. And that's what's important, because when they stop trying, we suffer. Look at EA. Yeah, and I also think at the same time, having them all in one place once a year isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's, look at what your competition is doing. Do better kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's good to, you know, get them in the ring together. Yeah. Every now and then. Um... It's it sometimes gets weird though with like the offshoot things of like yes it is the electronic entertainment expo so that is a very very up to interpretation thing but um I think more and more mediums that aren't video games are going to continue to be a thing I mean Windows 10 being so heavily pushed is the first step towards like that being in existence um where Windows 10 is not a video game yeah um it's not I guess you could you could argue it, but you'd be going down the technicality. Path. I know the graphics for the installation package of it were fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm glad you enjoyed them because you get to stare at them for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, but um, depressingly so. Hmm. But uh, the. Are the e? I think E three is gonna start. We're gonna start seeing companies there that don't necessarily make video games, like Naughty um, America and the um, geodesic dome projection people. Definitely. Yeah. I. Hey, capitalism in motion. You're observing it. <laughs> no, a little bit. I guess that's what saddens me because VR. I think they announced it actually it's going, needs its own trade show because there was too much VR this year at E three for my taste. Like it. it this was very much the E3 of VR, as much as we want it to be like the e, uh, the year of drunken dads or something like that. Yep. This was the if I thought last year was the year of VR, I, VR, I was wrong. This is like VR three, the year of VR. Mm-hmm. Everyone's but, doing something except Microsoft, and they're like, "Yeah, the new Xbox might work with a Kinect, and not with a Kinect, um, and an Oculus, but we're not going to confirm or deny anything." Hoobla, mm-hmm. hoobla, hoobla. It's actually kind of funny, like looking back. Um, that it's like, last year we were having the entire conversation of, is VR going to take off, and is it going to be implemented well? And this year it's just like, and here's everything that VR did. And fortunately, or what we were saying before of, VR is going to be very reliant on the success of those who implement it. And like, what you make, not just that it's VR, but like, did you make a good game as well? And with they actually have come out swinging, it appears. Uh, they've come out swinging. I think the reaction to VR has been what I expected more than what the average person excited about VR expected. Like, I didn't think the, like, the two headsets are out right now. They are hard to get their hands on, and 
they are not actually all that accessible given the requirements for them. Like, if I, I go back to my, if anyone's actually going to sell VR to people, it might be Sony at this point because it's the simplest one to get into and also the cheapest yep. one to get into. Yep. No, that's definitely going to be a great price point for Sony. But I meant, like, um, we kind of sat there and went, okay, I don't want every game to be VR necessarily, which, unfortunately, that path does appear to be we're on our way down. Yeah. But um, VR is getting tacked onto a lot of games, but they're not changing the gameplay per se. Well, like, We don't know that, really. The, the sampling I got of Resident Evil was very much like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. I, In hindsight, I'm not sure how Resident Evil, I guess, I feel that game was. Like, It's got puzzle stuff in it, and it's got the sense of dread, but at the same time... I might say it didn't, quote, it didn't feel quite right to me, I guess. It felt very much like a rip-off version of P.T. in hindsight, and having a well, more time to think about it. Well, it is. Yeah, it, it, and that's actually true, I'm, it is. I, I'm, I'm using more of a barometer of, they implemented a good P.T. game with VR, more than it is like, they took a scary game, they like shoehorned VR onto it, and it works clunky or something fair. like that. The implementation wasn't awful. Yeah, that's um, fair. Because, I mean, some of my reaction to certain things like the Connect is, like, it's is genuinely repulsive yeah, and gut-wrenching. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, or the reactions I had with, like, the Wii U. It's like, this controller is awkward. My hands are, like, a full foot apart from each other. Like, yeah. I've had much more repulsive experiences with some things that I've had with, like, VR, especially when I feel like the mechanic is being forced upon me. No, I get that. Like it, the fact we're not forcing you to go down the VR path is something you like. That makes a lot of sense. It's yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I wish there was less of it at E3 this year. That's definitely seemed to be the focus, and all the stuff they were showing off was like, "Yup, this is VR." I don't really like VR that much. Mm -hmm. At some point, it's actually kind of funny because one of the games me and my roommate have been playing is um. Now that I have a PlayStation 4, like, I went to a GameStop, and I was like, all right, what's cheap that I can actually justify this PlayStation 4 with? And I wound up picking up the newest Ratchet & Clank game. That's a good game. And That's unfortunately for me, I lost my old copy of Ratchet & Clank a long time ago, because I have very fond memories of the game, yeah. and the new one I've been having an absolute blast yeah. with. And one of the things that I wound up mentioning to my roommate was, or I think I mentioned it to him. If not, I just I had the thought, which is... um. I felt for the first time in a long time like I was playing a video game. Not like I was simulating something, not like I was having an experience, but like this is me sitting down to a toy and playing with yeah. it. Yeah. Um and I think that capturing that is going to be important. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that angle of it. So Yeah. No, it's, I, I'm very curious to see where E3 goes in general, I guess, to bring it back to our main topic for a second. It's, I've heard some jokes about how it should become another PAX or something like that, and I don't want to go that way. I like the... This is going to sound super least and really kind of douchey. I like that E3 is a professional conference. It's not a fan convention. It's You have mm -hmm. to be in the industry to get to this in theory, and... To be fair, PAX is hard to get into now. Like, it's no longer as open to the public as it once was, apparently. I did not know mm -hmm. that, but apparently it's becoming more and more of a professional-ish event, I guess I could say. But 
like there were a couple of cosplayers at E3. They felt really out of place, and it was like, no, you shouldn't be here. It's why the mm. swag whoring stuff pissed me off so much. It's like, no, like, fine, take your shirt. Don't wait in line to get a shirt, though. That's just shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with the professional angle, not because it's such exclusivity, but I really like the sit down, get all the game devs in the yeah. same room, and make them tell me what they're coming out with, like, it's a great platform in a professional sense. I, it's not that I want to exclude gamers. I think that they should extend the convention another three days and make a general public yeah. uh, game presentation. I think that'd be a fantastic thing to do. And be like, okay, guys, you're going to come in, you're going to do your conferences on Monday, you're going to have your exclusive stuff for the next three days, you can pack up any of the behind-closed-doors stuff, and then for the next three days... Just leave everything out, and we'll run it like it's a GameStop with just controllers lying out. But I think at that in. point, you'd have too many people. Like, the, the issue is... Well, that's even, what you're doing on extended days. Yeah, but even the exclusive aspect of E3, it's hard to get through lines for stuff. Like, that would take lines from bad to just mm. fucking shitty. Well, I'm not saying give out more tickets than you can have capacity for. I'm just saying extend the convention and maybe only sell three-day tickets. Yeah. Or have, like... These tickets are only available to in-industry people, and then these tickets are going to go on sale after those ones so that the general public has a chance to get them. I guess. I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm i not sure that would work as well as either of us think it might just because, like, capacity is a big number. That could wind yeah. up being you get to play one game. Mm-hmm. But no attendance. I, I was... still think that there should be a limited number of tickets. Like you can only get so many people in the room before the fire well, marshal. Yeah, that's end. that. That's every major convention these days, and that's not necessarily this. That's this is yeah. very much a like. No, you have to be. There are some rules, but no. To your point, though, their attendance was down this year. Like maybe make the last day like from noon on openish to the public, where it's like you have to buy a ticket, but there's only a thousand tickets or something like that. Yeah, that, that might not be a bad approach. So. We're yeah. getting close to the end here. Do we want to end it on our great advice to E3 and how they should uh, how they should potentially think about restructuring their I, company? Maybe if you got something. The reality is, it's like I am. I use the word defeated to describe myself at the end of E3, courtesy of um, Sea of Thieves. But like Sea of Thieves, <laughs> that's almost in some way my over. Like I, I want to be excited about E3, and maybe this is just my natural jadedness setting in. But like two years ago when I went. It was like, holy crap, I'm at E3. This year was... It was bad. Like, there was stuff there I didn't care. There was, like, there was shitty live bands and, like, weird stuff. There was space filler. And I don't want that. I'd have rather empty space and not the weird geodesic domes in the Activision spot. And I get it. They're, they're selling the space to make money to cover the costs and shit like that. But at the same time, I, it just felt wrong. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I have, I have no advice aside for don't do that again because it feels weird. Mm -hmm. And I did I not. Mean, I think that. as well is your experience at E3 is going to be also very generated around how much hype you have for something. Yeah. And I mean, games that I can think of off the top of my head, like if tomorrow they announce Destiny Two, they I have. Mean, right now, you're too close to Destiny. What do you mean they have? Destiny Two has been announced. It's, oh, no, it's, it's coming out DLCs. next. No, it's coming out 2017. Destiny 2 oh. was supposed to come out when the DLC is coming out this year, but it got pushed mm -hmm. back a year. Okay. 
But I was saying, if there was Destiny's Two is going to be at E three next year, I think that would have a little more excitement. For yeah, me. but Horizon Zero Dawn was at this year. Like the, there was stuff I was hyped about. It was just the overwhelming like there was a smog about the convention in some ways. Like it, there was lots of cool stuff. Like and that's the thing, the software angle was so fantastic. There was so many cool games there. The convention itself though was like. No, no, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a weird thing, and I guess I that's why I wanted to talk about it because we didn't really talk about this much in the actually three stuff. Yeah. But we were very individually game focused. Yeah, no, as that. as we should have been. That's what E three yeah. is all about. This is my chance to do some verbal therapy, if you will, on my like weird. It should have been better, and that's a shitty thing to say because I still got to go to E three. But it should have been better, Stance. Mm-hmm. You got anything for this, Jeff, or should we close it out? Uh, I'm pretty well wrapped up. I think I said the yeah. everything I needed to about wanting to stick around, think they should open a little more to the public and find yeah. ways to still keep their exclusivity. Yeah. So I'm pretty well pretty well wrapped up. Not fair. As always, we are Something Wicked Studios. Um, you can find us online at somethingwickedstudios.net or on the YouTube as Something Wicked Studios, you can also email us about podcast stuff at <clears throat> podcast at, uh, sorry, Wicked Awesome Cast at uh, Wicked Awesome Cast at gmail.com. I didn't plug it last week, so I forgot a little bit. Again, that's Wicked Awesome Cast, spelled all correctly. It's also down in the show notes, I believe, below, unless I forgot to link it there. And if that's the case, email me telling me I forgot to do that at wickedawesomecast.com. <laughs> if we ever get some emails, we'll probably read it and answer questions or whatever. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, thank you for listening and yep. spread and the a word. Super special. I was saying a super special thank you to the uh, How Original podcast for hosting our uh, beloved Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> that was the best part because they listened to I guess the I'm Tired and Cranky cast as the sample one, and I'm like, "Ooh, you mean our worst podcast ever?" Or so far. <laughs> so far. Yeah, we're like, man, we do not want to be doing this because there's nothing to talk about, and we are tired and cranky. But yeah, Both go check them out. Rough fucking weeks. Yeah, <laughs> go check them out and check out my, I guess, interview on there. That should you, if you're looking for more like deep Charlie lore, that's a good place to go mine for it. <laughs> it runs. It's it's got some depth to it in some weird ways. <laughs> what? I can't wait for that to come out. I I'm excited. I don't get. To, I, it's been long enough. I forget. Like, every week, I forget what we talked about. So when I listen to it for editing, it's always kind of fun. Like that's just long enough. I'm like, what was I talking about? I don't remember. I was just kind of <laughs> going with it. Oh yeah, the, this isn't scripted. We we are always winging it. <laughs> <laughs> Masters of winging it. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure you built a career on that. Yeah, a little bit. That's controlled chaos might be my biggest skill. Yep. Put that on your resume. Ride the lightning, motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back to more normal stuff next week. The E3 stuff is officially over unless something absolutely bizarre happens. But yeah, cue angry music. <laughs>